I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, January 12th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech all in less than seven minutes. Brett, in Ontario, it seems like the kids are going to be all right. Well, they are going back to school, supposedly on Monday, but I, I'm not holding my breath. It's, anything can happen in the next week. But how's it been going? How's it been going having your uh, kids doing uh, online learning again? It is, to call it less than ideal would really be overselling it. Yeah. Um, here's where we are in this pandemic phase. I am making a Spider-Man costume. Well, not a costume, but a mask out of cardboard in a craft show that my kid watches on YouTube. And if YouTube's done one thing, it has made crafts for parents to do with their kids really, really complicated. It's like it's like a Hollywood set in my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, best of luck. And I really do hope they, they go back. I, I think all parents are hoping that. And so we uh, we shall see, though. My, my concern is that the staffing stuff is that they'll go back, you know, they'll go back for a few days and then a bunch of other teachers will be off and they can't find substitutes and everyone goes back home. So, But I hope that's not the case. I hope it's not the case, too. And one just sort of indication of where the economy is in staffing, just as you said, tried to go to Canadian Tire at Stockyards yeah. and they were closed at five, three days in a row when they usually close at nine or 10. So it is affecting up and down the supply chain. And I think you were right. We will see it in schools too. But at least on Monday, the kids are going back. Yeah, wow. Brett, aside from ha my happiness about kids going back to school, what do we have for Pete Pals today? For our first story, teaming up with Taiwan. For our second story, new CEO in town. And for our third story, unfair advantage. For our first story, Canada and Taiwan have begun trade talks in an attempt to reduce both countries' economic dependence on China. Brett, this obviously can't make China happy. What's Canada talking to Taiwan about? All right. So according to an emailed statement from Mary Ng, which is Canada's Minister for International Trade, she met with the Taiwanese Minister Without a Portfolio, John Deng, about a big deal to promote investment. Ng highlighted that Taiwan is a key trading partner and investment partner uh, as Canada broadens its trade links and deepens its economic partnerships in the Indo-Pacific region. And she also cited that Taiwan is Canada's sixth largest trading partner, if you can believe that. I can believe it. And in terms of why Canada is pursuing this deal now, well, former Canadian ambassador to China, Guy Saint-Jacques said Taiwan abides by international trade rules and could make a more dependable trade partner than China to Canada. The way you said that S at the end of Jacques, just another reminder that you just missed out on grade nine French. <laughs> on Taiwan's side, President Tsai Ing-wen has been trying to gain broader international recognition while finding ways to diminish its dependence on China and strengthening relations with Canada is a way to accomplish both goals. And now Beijing wasn't too happy about the talks, obviously. China considers Taiwan to be their territory, despite operating independently, and released a statement that, quote, the Canadian side should respect the one China principle and handle relevant issues prudently. So, Brett, why does Canada cozying up to Taiwan matter? Well, the bigger picture on the trade front is that Taiwanese companies make up over 60% of the semiconductor market, and Canada depends heavily on other countries like Taiwan for these products. Now, bolstering trade ties between Taiwan and Canada could help us secure supplies of these chips, but it could also anger our second largest trading partner, China. So managing increased relations with Taiwan is going to be a bit of a diplomatic tightrope. Amazing how little teeny semiconductors can create huge international trade issues. Yeah. And for our second story, it all started with a butt dial. Rogers officially named Tony Staffieri CEO after a six-month interim stint in the role. What a fairy tale for Tony. 
Jay, a bit of a throwback here with Rogers back in the news. What's going on with Canada's Roy family now? Well, Rogers board chair, Ed Rogers, let's call him Kendall, got his way in naming Staffieri CEO of the company. But that doesn't mean that the drama is over and Ed's sister, Melinda Rogers Hickson, let's call her Shiv, opposes the decision and thinks someone with more experience leading operations should have been named CEO. And now let's give the Peak Palace more context, because if you're new to the show, you might not have all the background on this. The Rogers boardroom drama unfolded when Cher Ed Rogers tried to oust then-CEO Joe Natale. Ed Rogers questioned Natale's management as Rogers' performance suffered relative to competitors like Bell and TELUS, and he wanted to replace him with CFO Tony Staffieri. And Edwards' insistence that Staffieri replace Natale as CEO kicked off Rogers' succession-like boardroom drama. Edward's sister and mother wanted Natalie to remain CEO, while Edward tried to gain the board support in naming Staffieri CEO. Rogers made Staffieri interim CEO and president in November as Rogers began its search for a new CEO. That's a lot of CEO words all in one paragraph. And Ed won. So, Brett, why does Staffieri's permanent replacement matter for Canadians? Well, not only is Rogers one of the biggest companies in the country, but Staffieri will now guide the telco through the completion of a $26 billion takeover of Shaw Communications. Maybe we should put them in charge of Canadian-Chinese relations. For our last story, cryptocurrency exchanges that are playing by the rules are upset that Singapore-based Crypto.com is advertising in Canada, despite not being registered here. Brett, I've seen the Crypto.com ads. Are you telling me they're not allowed to operate here? Well, technically not. Even though it isn't registered with any Canadian province, Canadians can trade using Crypto.com through its mobile app. And the cryptocurrency exchange struck a one-year deal last March to advertise in the Bell Centre in Montreal. This is all without being regulated. And execs from Netcoins and BitBuy, trading platforms that went through a months-long process to get regulators' approval, say it's unfair that Crypto.com is advertising to Canadians even though it's not registered in Canada. Now, for some background, only CoinSmart, Wealthsimple, Coinberry, Netcoins, Fidelity, and BitBuy are registered with Canadian regulators. And in September, the Canadian Securities Administrators warned crypto exchanges against launching misleading ad campaigns that would encourage risky investment. Example, uh, sign up or within a week to claim a reward. But regulators didn't specify whether or not unregistered exchanges can advertise or say if these exchanges would be punished if they didn't abide by the rules. And that is the loophole that Crypto.com is using to advertise. So, Jay, why does it matter that Crypto.com is advertising in Canada? Well, CoinSmart Financial and BitBuy say Crypto.com's marketing is contributing to an uneven playing field that's disadvantaging Canadian crypto companies. From spending $700 million to rename the Staples Center to starring Matt Damon in one of its commercials, Crypto.com is willing to spend as much money as it can to lure new users, and compliant Canadian players are just struggling to compete. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, who do you identify most with in the Roy family in succession? I'm a Logan. Uh, Jay, you've known that since day one. (laughs) (laughs) You are a Logan. I'm quite partial to Shiv just because of her politics and her background, but I'm only in season two, (laughs) so maybe that doesn't speak well of me. Yeah, well, let's let's recap when you get to season four. Fair enough. Have a good day, Brett. You too.